that was taught 25 years ago by a mentor of ours, and we're doing our best to pass it to you as accurately as possible because it impacted our lives, and we feel like that this can also impact and change your life as well. We're talking about here real talk, just getting it real, I mean, getting real with what we're talking about and trying to get it right. And we've been saying that there's a difference between religion and actually following Christ. You see, if you grew up like I did in a religious environment, then you had rules. And if you did not grow up in a religious environment, do you know what? If you didn't grow up going to church, you still had rules, didn't you? And you had this sense of right and wrong. And you had a sense of do this, don't do this. So even if you weren't religious, you still held on to that way of thinking probably pretty religiously. So for the majority of people today who are in a church somewhere in Stuttgart or around Stuttgart, probably they're thinking, I know that I ought to go. And if they're not in church this morning, many of them are probably thinking, I know I really should be there. And it's all in an attempt for us to do some kind of routine, some kind of ritual to check some kind of box for the week that says, I did that, I got it done. Because many of us have grown up thinking that there really is a God, and he has this list of rules, and if we don't do those rules right, well, he's watching, and he's looking to see how we do with all the rules. And the better I do, the better I am, the more safe I am with God. But then Jesus shows up, and he says, hey, guys, hey, guys, listen, 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 you're getting it wrong. He said, I didn't come to give you a version of the to-do list, new, a new list of rules. I came to replace that whole system. And that's how we start our relationship with God, by depending on him. And it's the way we are supposed to live every day of our life after that. We have been studying in this series, the book of Romans chapter 8, and it's where Paul is talking about these two different kinds of approaches to God. And only one of these two is really going to get us where we want to be in life. One of the approaches is about religion. It's a to-do list, if you will. Us trying to deserve, us trying to earn, us trying to work. The other is all about relationship. Now, this is a life cast that I did with my youngest daughter, Chloe, when she was probably four years old. So that's my hand as a father and her hand as a four-year-old child inside of my hand. I brought this up here for us to let that represent a relationship. So Paul is talking about a religion, a list of to-dos, do this, do this, don't do that, don't do that, and versus a relationship, father and a child. So let's look at Romans 8, chapter 1. This is where we started two weeks ago. I just want to remind you of where that is. Romans 8, chapter 1. Here's what Paul says. So now, and he's saying now as opposed to earlier or before, now there is no condemnation in those who belong to Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Because over here, there is always condemnation. There's always condemnation because it's about perfection over here. Perfection. God is perfect. I am not. God is holy. I can never be holy enough. There's always a sense right here. I should do more. I should do better. 
And Paul is saying that Jesus came, he had another plan, and it's not a version of this. It's not a version of do better, do more. It's a brand new system. It's a system that says, regardless of what I have done, regardless of what I am doing, regardless of what I plan to do tomorrow, I know this is extreme, but I can't be condemned in this new system. Because this approach has nothing to do with rules. It has nothing to do with a ritual, nothing to do with getting things right and me being better. And it has everything to do with a relationship. Now, unlike this approach over here, we're standing before God over here based upon what we have done. That's a dangerous place to be. But over here, we're standing before God based upon what Jesus did for us. Now, we can understand that in terms of us becoming a Christ follower because we know we can't earn our way into heaven. We'll never be able to do that. We can't deserve it, earn it, work our way there. We know we are dependent upon a relationship with Christ for us to get to heaven. I can't do it, Jesus. I need you. I can't do it. And thank you for dying for me. That's where we are at the point that we decide to become a follower of Jesus. Here's the problem. After that, if we decide to become a follower of Jesus, we have a tendency to slip back over here and now try to relate to God on a daily basis based upon this old system of rituals, laws, do's, and don'ts. And so we end up praying a prayer like this. We say, Lord, 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 please be with us. And God's like, what? I I'm with you. I'm with you. I've never left you, and I'm not going to leave you. It's a relationship. See, this approach has to do with religion, and there is a world of difference between the system of being a Christ follower, a Christian, and being a part of a religion. So we understand that we get started following Christ with a relationship. Because we cannot save ourselves. We have this sense over here of, yes, I need you, Jesus. I'm powerless. I can't do it without you. And that sense of living is never supposed to end. That's the thing. We say things like, well, thank you for saving me. Thank you. But now, Jesus, I I know what it's going to take here. Thank you for this new list of rules you've given me and these new ideas about what I need to do, and I ought to know this, and I should do that, and I promise I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better and better and better. And we jump back over here. We have great intentions. Our hearts actually mean well, but we've reverted back over here to this religious approach to God. And when we do... We miss out on something. We miss out on joy. We miss out on peace. And more importantly here, we miss out on winning against sin, against our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. That same system over here that made us uncondemnable and allows us to get into heaven is the very same system that gives us power to live our lives chasing after Jesus every single day. It's the same system, this same system that's also going to to create inside of our lives the character traits that Jesus wants to grow inside of our lives. 
It's the same system that allows us to become good children and good parents and good husbands, good wives, good men, good women, all as God has intended. This is the system that does that. The problem is not that we haven't tried hard enough. That's this system. Here's the problem. It's actually impossible for us to be what God intended. And so here's what Jesus Christ did. He said, look, I have come to give you a, not a new law, not a new list of rules, not a new list of to-dos and to-don'ts. I have come that you might have life. And to get that kind of life, it is intensely relational. And it is empty of religion. So let's go to verse number 2 now. Here's what Paul says in verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that leads to sin and death. We talked about this in week, uh, week number one and week number two. The law of Moses, in verse three, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, that's Jesus now. He's talking about Jesus. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. Here's how. By giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. Now, here's what Paul's doing in those verses. Paul is describing these two systems. One is the power of sin and death, religion. Walking in the flesh is another way that Paul describes that, walking in the flesh system. And over here we have the power of the life-giving spirit, which is walking in the spirit. So we have over here walking in the flesh, over here walking in the spirit. Now walking in the flesh, I know it sounds horrible. It sounds like, whoa, that person is evil, evil if they're walking in the flesh. But you know what? A lot of people, I have really, we've all been a part of this. Some really good people walk in the flesh. It, because, here's what this is basically saying. Walking in the flesh means this, that we are living for me and looking out for me. Let me give you an example. When I became a Christ follower, I did not become, I'm being honest, I did not become a Christ follower because I loved God. I became a Christ follower because I didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> That's why. My reasons didn't have anything to do with God. They had everything to do with what's in it for me. So if, if becoming a, a follower of Jesus is good for me, then hey, I'm in. I'm in. If it's good for me, uh, that's, that's where I'm headed. I'm in. And then if, uh, it's, if, if uh, following these 10 steps would help me break a destructive habit, then hey, I'm in. I'll follow those 10 steps. If following five steps to become a better husband, sign me up. I'll follow those five steps. It's all a me-centered. So that's walking in the flesh. Do what's best for me. So it doesn't have to be like extremely with this appearance of evil. It's just simply looking out for me. Now, this new system is a completely different approach, and that's why it's difficult to, to grasp, because it is opposite of our human nature. Our human nature says, look out for me. And, and that's saying, you know what? Give me a list of rules. 
just give me a list of rules. I'll take my best shot at it. That's looking out for me. That's walking in the flesh. And this new system is so different from that. I mean, if we could choose to live this way, it's going to take a lot of trial and error. You know, we're going to make some mistakes because this way doesn't even seem very spiritual. You know why? Because we've wrapped up a lot of spiritual feelings with religion. And so we get them confused. This doesn't seem very spiritual. This seems more spiritual because it's very religious. Religion basically is walking in the flesh. Paul describes this new approach as walking in the spirit. So now we're going to pick up where we left off, verse 4. It's kind of mid-sentence here. Paul says, in order, so all of this happened, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us. So who is the us here? He describes. The us is those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So here's what Paul said. The law's requirement, that's all the do's, all the don'ts that we find in, in God's Word. All those do's and don'ts are going to be fulfilled in us, those of us, Paul says, who are walking according to the Spirit. Not those who are walking according to the flesh. Because the old system of do better, try harder, live right, we can't. We can't do it. So if we really want, this is what Paul is saying, if we really want to do better in our life, the real issue is not trying harder, but it is learning how to live, how to walk according to the Spirit. And we say, great! What does that mean? (laughs) Well, that's a great question. So here's what Paul is describing, and I know this sounds simple. As I describe this to you, you're going to think this very possibly. I got up early to come hear this? <laughs> That's so simple. Here's basically what it means to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It is simply living our lives, being sensitive to and dependent upon the inner promptings and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's it. So I want to read this last verse again, verse again, verse 4, and let's use a really easy-to-understand translation, one of my favorites. Romans 8, 4. He did this, God did this, Jesus did this, so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. So we can't do the law, so Jesus satisfied it for us. Who is us? Those who no longer follow our sinful nature, walking in the flesh, but instead are following the Spirit. That means starting every single day as we live and continuing our day moment by moment, being sensitive to my relationship with the Holy Spirit, listening for His inner promptings and then trusting His empowerment. So, during the day, when I'm faced with bad moods, I'm faced with emotions that are erupting, I'm faced with fear or anger or temptations or habits or selfishness, 
or I'm faced with not feeling like I'm going to be able to live this life today, all of these things that are trying to hijack the direction of my life, I say, stop in that moment. And I say, oh, Holy Spirit, I can't handle this, but you can. I'm trusting you. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. You see how it is a relationship, not a to-do list. It's the same thing we did when we were saved. When we said, Jesus, I can't save myself. You can. I don't need a better list of rules, Jesus. I need a Savior. I need your empowerment. I need life. That's what we said when we got saved. It is intensely relational. And this is not a new version of this. This is not a blending of the old and new. It is a completely different system. Walking according to the flesh, which that's the natural thing for us to do. We talked about that week one. We just are born walking in the flesh. I don't even have to plan it. I just do it. Let's go on. Look what Paul says in verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, this is a key to understanding how this all, all works. Notice how he's using through this whole chapter, he's talking about the mind a lot. And even some places, thoughts, he's not talking about actions. He's talking about the mind. Why? Because walking according to the Spirit is not a commitment to a certain set of rules. Walking according to the Spirit is an approach to life. It is a different approach, and it begins right here. Now, interesting enough, this little phrase, minds set on. This phrase is used all over Greek literature, and it's not really talking about thinking, what those, the thoughts, what we are thinking upon. Now, the New Covenant has a lot to say about what we are thinking upon, but right here in this chapter, this whole concept of minds set on, what Paul is saying is not that we are thinking about a specific thing. It's more of a figure of speech like um, when we say, uh, I've made up my mind, or we say, okay, I've decided. So having my mind set on this, what Paul is communicating is a person has chosen a side. A person whose mind is set on the Spirit of God is a person who has sided with God's Spirit. Their moment-by-moment -moment life, they are on the side of God's Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And a person who is walking according to the flesh, this sinful nature side, the one that comes natural to us, this one is natural, but this one feels awkward to us because it's not natural. It's often awkward in the beginning, not for always. But Paul is saying we're not choosing one standard over another. Paul's not saying we're choosing one list of rules over another. The list of rules in the New Testament versus 
the list of rules in the Old Testament. He's not saying we're choosing a list of rules. He's talking about a completely new approach. But the approach we're born with, walking according to the flesh, which says, I'm going to do my best. God's going to then just take my best and judge me, and hopefully I've done enough good that I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay at the end. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. A Christ follower now is designed not for a blending of the approach, but for a whole new approach, and it's called walking in the Spirit. But then Paul gives us a warning in the next verse, verse 6. He says, for the mind set on flesh, that's this side here, is death. But the mind set on the spirit of life is peace. Now think with me for a moment. We're talking about human relationships here. Death, when the new covenant talks about death, it's never talking about the end of existence. Death for a human is not the end of existence. It just means the end of a relationship. You see, when someone physically dies, they do not go out of existence. It means their relationship to this world comes to an end. Death for a human is always, always an end to a relationship of some sort. And Paul says that this approach, no matter if you're a believer or not, this approach of religion, I'll do better, I'll try my best and just see what happens, this always leads to death. Everything that this approach touches is going to eventually deteriorate and die in the end. Why? Because this approach is all about self-centered. What is best for me? What is good for me? It's all about me. That's why two people can stand at the altar and, and they can say, I, I, I love them with everything in me and I will always for years, 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 for the rest of my life, I'm going to love them. And then just a few years down the road, they say, I hate them with everything in me. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. Why? When two people are in a relationship, and if they have this side here where it's all about me, so if you and I are in a relationship and it's all about me, all about me, all about me, and for you, it's all about you, all about you, all about you, then that relationship is going to end in death. That relationship's going to end. That's why as long as we take this approach with God, even if we're relatively good people, our relationship with God, if this is the approach we take with him, will always, always, always feel distant because this approach results in the death of our relationship with God. Now, please hear me. This does, I'm not saying you lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. That's not the kind of death I'm talking about. Here's what I'm saying. Our relationship with God is going to suffer and it will dwindle and deteriorate. Not for God. It doesn't. How does he see us? No condemnation. But our relationship with God, from our perspective and our experience, 
if we take this approach with God, we can't have much of a relationship with God. Because with this approach, God has a standard. I can't meet it. And I'm always going to feel condemned. I'm always going to feel out with God. With this approach, the only way to feel close to God is for me to do better, which I can't do better. Or, or I could do this. I can change the rules. I could go change the rules. Oh, well, God didn't really mean that when he wrote that. And well, Paul was speaking to a completely different type of people. That was a cultural thing there. And so we could just water it down, water it down till it doesn't apply to us or anybody else and it makes us feel more holy. But Paul says, that's not God's design for you. Because over here, there will always be a sense of frustration with my walk with God. Because over here, there's always a limit to how close I can feel or get to God because I'm always going to be messing up. There will always be something I can't check on the box. And so we will be damaging, living here, damaging every single relationship in our lives. And God is saying to us, Harley, I sent my son to bring a whole new approach, and it's called living in the Spirit. Now look at verse 7. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. This is important. Next phrase, nor can it do so. Paul is saying this is a real system. It is there. It is real. It exists. But this system is broken and it will always be broken. And here's why. Because we can't fulfill it. Paul said right there, it is impossible. Our mind is hostile to this system. We can never do it. So I want you to know in advance, if this is where we choose to live, know in advance, it is impossible for you and me to fully submit to God's law. The whole walking according to the Spirit hinges on this understanding that it is impossible for me to do this. Even on my best day, it is still impossible for me to fully submit to God's law. And we say, okay, God, okay, God, listen, I'm sorry. I will never, ever, ever, ever do it again. I am sorry. I am through with that. I won't touch it again. I won't do it again. I promise. And we're better for some weeks, aren't we? But then after a little time, we are right back at it. Until one day we realize, I can't do it. I can't do it. And admitting our inability to God is the foundation of us transitioning to walking in the Spirit. Okay. Now, here's what we do with this information. If we want to begin walking in the Spirit, we say, okay, okay, Harley. Now, 
I agree. I want to walk in the Spirit. So just tell me how to do it. And I'm, I'll do it because I hear what you're saying and that's what I want to do. Harley, give me, give me step one, step two, step three. And listen, I'm going to... And here's the frustrating thing. I agree with you. That is how, what God designed. And here's the frustrating thing. Whew. The Bible doesn't tell us how to do it. It just tells us to do it. <laughs> right? And we're like, okay. Okay, Harley, I, I agree, but tell me how. And Jesus and, and the writers of the new covenant, they just say do it, and they move on to the next subject. And we're like, but wait, tell me how. And here's what I think, here's what I think about. Maybe just finally understanding why the Bible doesn't tell us how to do it. Because the how-to list, the ritual, the routine, if you just do this, you'll get that. This routine, this ritual, the how-to list means that we have to go back here and walk according to the flesh. And Jesus is talking about something that is completely dependent upon a relationship. We don't run the relationships in our life off of a checklist. Okay, let's see. Got the bills paid? Check. Groceries? Uh, check. Hey, honey, good morning. Oh, it's good to see you. Did you sleep well? Check. I said that. Uh, honey, is there anything that I can do for you today? Oh, I got that one off the list. Check. You don't run your marriage that way. And e even if you did, and even if you checked everything off the list perfectly, your spouse would be sitting there at some point thinking, gosh, I, I don't think he loves me. And you're like, but look at all the stuff I did. And your wife was like, yeah, but I don't think you love me. You know why? Because there's something conditional about keeping a list. And walking according to the Spirit is completely relational. It's all relationship. Because it's about life, not lists. See, it brings us back to this humbling point where we have to say, God, I need you to tell me what I can do to work toward this. I don't know how to do it. And God is like, great. We can start with that. Great. You can be to the point right now where you can say moment by moment, day by day, it's a relationship. You see, we can't plan this ahead other than to say this. God, I'm choosing your side. God, today, I'm going to follow you moment by moment. Let me explain. Now, this explanation is imperfect, and this explanation is speaking to people who are following Jesus, okay? So here, here's an example. It's similar to this. If, um, if you were headed to my house when we finish here today, there's a couple of ways for you to get there. 
So I can give you my address, and you could punch it into your GPS on your phone, and it's going to pull up a map with detailed instructions. You could even have a printed map if you wanted, but it's going to be a map of some sort with detailed instructions, where to turn, when to turn, and you have it all laid out and all planned out, and you can just follow it step by step by step, and you can make it to my house. And if you're on the road for a long time, like the stretch between Pine Bluff and, and, um, and basically Malvern, you're on there a long time, I mean, you have plenty of time to kind of tune out from that map, and I, you can just drive, and you can eat. I do that all the time. I mean, you have time for road rage. <laughs> Why are you so... Ah! And you have, time, uh, you, you have time for all these things, for music, boom, chicka, boom, chicka, Great, turn them up loud. I got new speakers. Just turn them up. Yeah, you got time for all of that. You've got time to do all kinds of stuff, a little dancing while you're driving. Yeah, I learned that in the 80s. Uh, you got time for all kinds of stuff. And then eventually, following the directions, you get there. You arrive. And you will judge yourself and your journey based upon the idea of how accurately, how much you paid attention to the details of turn here, follow this road, do this, all the instructions. You would measure your success based upon how well you could read the map or read the GPS and get those directions down and follow them. That's a picture of walking according to the flesh. Your focus would be on the map and the instructions. There's another way. I could get you to my house. I could pull up here in front of your car in the parking lot, and I could say to you, hey, follow me. Let's go. Follow me. And you'd be like, but, but where are we going to turn? Ah, don't worry about it. Just, just follow me. But how are we going? Are we going to get go take the bypass? Just follow me. Follow me. Watch me. Just follow me. And then you know what your focus would be? It would be me. When I turn left, you turn left. When I turn right, you turn right. When I slow down, you slow down. I speed up, you speed up. I stop, you stop. Because your focus would be on me. Now, here's the point. You would arrive at the very same place. Because I'm talking to Christ followers here. You would arrive at the very same place. Same place with the map. Same place by following me. You would arrive there by the possibly the very same route. The difference would be during that journey who you would be focused upon. The difference would be moment by moment here, you would be dependent upon me, staying close to me, following me. And that is God's goal for you and for me. It isn't just to read the list of instructions and get to the right place. It's not just to learn to follow the GPS map and the instructions. As important as this library of books called the New Covenant is, the goal is relationship. The goal is moment by moment dependence upon the promptings of the Holy Spirit and moment by moment dependent upon the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And you'll get to the right place 
but you'll get there the right way. And here's the right way. Through an ever-deepening relationship with God's Spirit. You see, along the way, you're going to get to know Him. Along the way, you're gonna, He's going to get to know you. And God's going to accomplish in and through your life what He wanted to accomplish when He saved you. Because you were His child. What could be more relationally sensitive than a father and a child who doesn't just grow up to do it right, but that child who wants to crawl up into his parents' arms every once in a while and be embraced? Because relationships revolve around love, not checklists. So let me give you a definition this morning of this starting place of following God's Spirit, of walking according to the Spirit. It's the same as everything else. It is faith. So here's, here's a working definition for us. It's going to be on the screen. It is moment-by-moment moment dependence upon the Holy Spirit to prompt you to do what He wants you to do. And to empower you to do what you cannot do. It's being moment by moment dependent. Not to a commitment, but dependent to a relationship. See, our salvation did not start by us committing to something. It started by us depending on something. And the day-to-day -day Christian life is the very same way. It's not about a commitment to something or a list of rules. It's about depending, moment by moment, depending upon God's Spirit. The promptings of His Spirit. Do this, do this. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Be cautious. No. The promptings and the empowerment to do what we can't do. But we've got to abandon one approach in order for us to have this approach. So let's drill down on this for just one quick moment. We don't need to pray more, Lord be with me, Lord help me do better, help me quit this, help me control that. We don't need to pray that prayer more. Listen, we need to do what the new covenant teaches us. We need to learn to live life by following God's Spirit moment by moment. And then all of those other things that we're struggling with, they will begin to fall in line. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not an overnight thing. It's over time through a relationship as that relationship grows with God's Spirit. So look at this last verse we're ending with, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It's Paul speaking again to another group of people, and he says this. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now look at that very closely. Do you see that is a promise in there? He says, walk by the Spirit, 
In other words, he's not saying, okay, add this to your list. Don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. And you can do that, but don't do this. No, 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 no. He's saying the focus is learn to walk according to the spirit. And the result will be you won't carry out those other desires of the flesh. You see, we all have a sin problem. Me too. We have temper problems, we have addiction problems, and we have gossip problems, and thinking problems, and lust problems. And he said, listen, if you'll focus moment by moment on a relationship with God's Spirit, then God will accomplish defeating all of that junk and those things inside of you. And so you say, okay, okay, H, I got you, H, I got you, but could you be a little bit more practical? No. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. I, I don't even know where to start. Okay, just tell that to God. God, I don't know where to start. That is fine. I, I think that's a great starting place because that's part of total dependence. God, I don't know where to turn. Where are you going? God, I, do we go left or right? God, I, that's the issue. We don't know. And it takes utter dependence moment by moment for us to follow him. And I think that's why the new covenant does not give us uh, three or four steps to the best way to follow the spirit. Because here's what we would do. We would say, great, I got it. I added it to my list. And we would take off and be following that list. And we'd leave, leave God's spirit in the parking lot. So he doesn't give us the list. So what does this mean for you and me tomorrow morning? It means this. Regardless of how much we really truly understand all of this or comprehend it, we all start off at the very same place every day. And here it is. Lord Jesus, today, I cannot, but you can. God, today, I, I, I'm going to see that girl at work today, Lord, and you know where that's going to lead. You know what's going to happen. And I cannot, but you can. You, you know, God, today I've, I've, I found out this thing. I got this information and you know, I want to tell everybody about it, but you know, I need to keep my mouth shut. And God, you know, I have a hard time doing that. So I cannot, but you can. And you might be saying, God, I, I, I want to be the wife that can submit to her husband and, and, and love her family. I, I want, but you, God, you know, I can't, but you can. You might be saying, God, I want to be the husband that can sacrifice everything, everything, so much, everything for his wife. But I can't. But Holy Spirit, you can, and I depend upon you right now. God, Today and this moment by moment by moment, I just want to take my first few baby steps and say, I can't, but you can. And if that has to be what we say every single day of our life, that starting place, that saying, I can't, that's what it is, total dependence. I believe your heavenly father is going to say, yes, that's what you were made for relationship with me. And that's why Jesus came, not simply to save us from our sins so we could go to heaven. No, he came also to free us, to give us a life 
free from the obligation to sin. And he's empowered us. He's given us that potential of relationship. That's what the Christian life, the Christ-following life is all about. And I wish, I really wish I could make it more clear and I could give you steps and direction, but I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't think it's supposed to be any clearer because then you would depend upon a list and Jesus said, just depend on my spirit, a relationship with me. And my prayer is for me and for you that we would be a church characterized by men and women and students and children who are learning what it means to walk according to the Spirit. Because if we can all together learn how to do that, learn how to live with this mindset, this approach, then there is absolutely no limit to what God can do through us as a church because it will certainly be his spirit working through us and not us over here trying to do something for him. And I hope you'll use that conversation with God this week, moment by moment, to say, God, I can't, but you can through me. Join me as we pray. God, we ask that you just show us moment by moment through your power. Moment by moment, God, make it clear in that moment what you want for us. You don't have to give us the plan for the rest of our lives. God, may we just look to you moment by moment. Today, different people have heard different things, and I just pray that you would give them the courage to do what you're asking them to do. May we have a magnified sensitivity to your inner promptings. Teach us what it means for you to lead us and guide us in that relationship. Show us what it means between your prompting and just our conscience. Father, I pray that every one of us sometime this week would depend upon you for empowerment to come through a difficult emotional challenge empowerment to deal with the situation in a way that we've never dealt with it before. And Father, we ask that you teach us what it means to walk with you moment by moment because we know that you have designed us for that type of intense relationship. Jesus, we believe that we are praying all of these things within your desire for our lives. So we ask, please make it so as we submit to you Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.